this is Leslie. And this is Liam, and we're trading money stress for real happiness. You are listening to Seeds, a 15-minute debrief on young people's common money challenges. Every episode, myself and Liam will casually break down a wealth topic, and occasionally we'll invite a friend to do so with us. But today, it is just Leslie and I chit-chatting away like usual. And we have an interesting topic written in here about FHA loans. So I like this topic a lot. Leslie, I think, is about to drop some serious knowledge on this topic. <laughs> uh, so get your expectations up, everybody. Oh, gosh. Um, we'll <laughs> But just being experienced in this, Leslie, it's something that I, I know you and I have researched for, for several years now, and um, you've gone ahead and taken advantage. So, Leslie, this topic of the FHA loans, mm-hmm. where does your mind initially go? What are, what are you thinking and just how to, how to break down this idea of an FHA loan? Yes, yes. Well, uh, first and foremost, I'm going to zoom out a bit for folks who aren't immediately familiar with the FHA loan. The FHA loan is a basically type of mortgage, a a specific loan you can get to buy a first home issued by the Federal Housing Administration. That's why it stands, you know, you have FHA standing for that administration itself. And what's cool about the FHA loan is that it's become really popular, especially among young people who are kind of building up uh, from the ground up, might have moderate or even low income. And for that reason, you can actually leverage through this specific program, a lower down payment and have lower credit scores than the typical uh, lender would would have for you to own a home. So in short, FHA loan is just a really, really incentivized, highly incentivized way for first-time home buyers to get a loan for their house. Now, what's interesting about this is, and as Leah mentioned, my husband and I actually just used an FHA loan to get our investment property. And that has a whole slew of recommendations in itself. But yes, at the very beginning, just so we all are aware, we're talking about real estate, we're talking about first-time home buyers, and this FHA loan might be a really, really great option for you if you're thinking about trying to get into real estate with little, little down and might not have the best credit score. But Liam, did I cover everything? I feel like there's a couple extra, you know, bells and whistles, hoops to go through. What else would you add? Yes, Leslie did a great job of zooming out and we all understand it's a mortgage it helps you buy a home right so we all know to do that you're going to get some sort of mortgage and leslie i think you nailed it we can get even a little bit more specific of how favorable it can be Mm. but also because a lot of our audience i think are first-time home buyers it's only something you can do on your first home purchase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's where it's relevant. So this is something for each of you to look into if you have not yet bought a property. Yeah. Now you will also need something like a good credit score because that's something where if you're going for an FHA loan, a lot of times, not always, you could just be starting to build your, your net worth up and it might not be backed by many years of an income quite yet as there are a lot of people that will take advantage of this loan. So that being said, they're going to require a pretty strong credit score. I know the, the minimum that's recommended would be about a 580 credit score. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully it's a little bit higher than that if you want 
any chance at getting this accepted by your lender. Yeah. The yeah. other thing is Leslie had mentioned that she used this for her investment property. Now, Leslie's talked about her investment property on past episodes, but ultimately her and her husband live in one of the units and rent out the other units to tenants. Now, that's another fine line of this FHA loan is the buyers required to live in the property for at least 12 months. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, is anybody monitoring every day if you're living in a home? No. If you have an iPhone, maybe like Apple knows, I'm not really sure, <laughs> but nobody is really monitoring it every day, but that is the written rule. So just be aware of that. And yes, I'm sure people have gotten around that before, but it is the expectation that you live there for 12 months. Mm -hmm. now, there are some other fine lines too. We can get a little bit more specific, Leslie. And I don't know if you want to share your personal story or maybe what some of our friends have done yeah. in, in terms of what, what percent down they were able to get with the FHA and what that looks like if they were to more go the conventional route. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, that the fact that you have to live in your property is really, really important here, especially if you're kind of, toggling that line between a first-time home buyer and a real estate investor. So what we decided to do, as Leah mentioned, was really leverage a multifamily unit property, had three units within it. Anything under four, four units or below can be considered for the FHA because it's technically still residential. You're not at, you know, four to six units or even more than that, which would kind of be more in the commercial, definitely like investment property type classification. But any property that has four units or less within that property can legally be considered for the FHA loan. And the wonderful thing is, and I know Liam and I referenced like, what is a good credit score? What is a bad credit score? A lot of people think you need to have over 700 as a credit score. As Liam mentioned, that 580, for some people that might be high, again, if you're kind of building from scratch, but for a lot of people, it's actually a relatively lower score than what they might anticipate for getting a home. So luckily, you know, we had been building credit for a couple of years here. And in addition to that, we wanted to leverage the 3.5% down payment, especially for an investment property. Most investment properties, you have to put down 20% at least in the down payment. And so to actually get a big property for a lot less than that with FHA, you can put down as little as 3.5%. That means that we can buy into this basically cash flow machine for a very little amount of money. So let me make it a little bit more tangible for folks that might not be like super ecstatic about like percent down and all of those weird terms. So <laughs> let's say we have like a $500,000 property, right? It's kind of similar to the, to the value of our property here in Chicago. To put down three and a half percent means that you only need about $17,000 to buy the entire property with the down payment. Now, of course, you're also going to need money for the closing costs. So paying all of your lawyers and lenders and uh, appraisers and all the people that go into making sure that transaction works well. Then you also absolutely want to have some kind of emergency fund or cash reserves especially with FHA, they actually require the of cash reserves. So all in, you're looking at certainly, you know, probably close to 50 to $60,000 needed for a $500,000 property. But the real key and magic there is that only 17,000 is really going towards the down payment. 
Now, if I were a typical investor, let me like go ahead and, and wind back as if I didn't use the FHA. If I went the 20% down route, I would need $100,000 in cash just for the down payment. So not including the closing costs, not including the reserves. That's a significant difference in terms of how quickly and also potentially how easily you can actually get involved in, in, in buying your own place. So for that reason, especially for us with an investment property, FHA made a ton of sense. The only catch though, and then there's always a catch, right? Like there's no free lunch, but the only catch is that the FHA loan requires you to have private mortgage insurance. Okay. This is another one of those like legalese terms. Sorry, hate to break it to you, but this is very important, especially if you're considering FHA. Typically you are absolutely required to have homeowner's insurance. Uh, you will also probably have a little nest egg for uh, any repairs or maintenance, et cetera. But if you are borrowing through the FHA with the FHA loan, you're also going to need to insure the mortgage itself. So we're not talking about insuring the house. We're actually insuring the fact that you borrowed cash. And the reason that you have to do that is because those credit score minimums are much lower. The down payment is much lower. Basically, the Federal Housing Administration is saying, because we're lending you money and it's kind of not an ideal situation for us, we're going to put insurance on the loan that you took out. So that private mortgage insurance can be pretty hefty. I think ours is probably like close to three, four hundred $400 a month, which certainly adds up on top of the loan payments and the interest as well. But in general, it can be a really, really good option for you, regardless of PMI, which is that private mortgage insurance, especially if you're bringing your, you have a cash flow associated with your property. So Liam, I know that was a lot, but I feel like, I gave a good overview of how you use the good seed here. I I would say in in kind of a, a high level, I think that this is a great option for young investors who maybe don't have quite the cash on hand that somebody that's been getting an income for several years might have. It's a mm -hmm. great opportunity for those folks to get something like an investment property, mm. something that you're looking at. Okay, there's cash flow in this currently, and we're expecting the valuation to increase maybe a few years from now. Mm -hmm. That's why I want this property now, and that's why I want to be able or uh, make make it more reasonable for my for me to put that money down now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my headline of what I'm taking away from everything you're saying, Leslie, all the research that we've done is, is that's where I think it can be really strategic to use an FHA. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you this, Liam, this is kind of like on the spot, but I'm curious, yeah. as you think about your property to come, maybe New York, Connecticut, you know, putting it out there. If you're thinking about your property to come very close to, to home and the, and the family, would you consider FHA? I mean, do you have any reservations about it? Or are you like gung-ho for sure, even maybe considering it for like a condo or a single family home? Yes, I am considering FHA. Okay. Um, it's, it's something that I will likely prioritize. And, mm -hmm. and I think about it a few different ways. Um, if, and it depends where I'm buying. There's several factors as always, Leslie, right? So it's, will it be an investment property? Um, will it be a multifamily? 
will it be in something like a greater New York City market where mm. things are a little bit more expensive and I might not be able to get into the game in the next 10 years if mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. not that much, but wouldn't be able to get into the game for the next several years if I don't have that 3.5% down to get what mm-hmm. I'm looking for. I think these are all factors or on, on the adverse, is this remote work thing really going to be a thing for, is, will, will it be normalized? Can I get That's a fair. small place in a, in a developing town more upstate into somewhere like upstate New York or Connecticut or New Jersey or somewhere mm-hmm. in the New York area, but a little bit further out where maybe I do have a little bit more, uh, more money on hand compared to the total investment of the property, then yeah. it'll be a decision for me to make. But I think those are all things to consider. What is the cost of the property or the average property that you would want to be looking at in the area that you live? Can you afford to put down something like a 20%? Then you don't have to pay that PMI. Mm-hmm. But is it more of a priority to keep more cash on hand? And the FHA is a great, great option for you. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I completely danced around your question. What will I be doing? I don't know because I don't have that property quite yet, Leslie. That's but I would say fair. The, first, the first thing I will be looking at knowing that market will be the FHA. That's fair. That's super fair. And I have to say too, I know we're getting close to the end of time, but especially in markets like New York, San Francisco, et cetera, where the, the values of properties are just so much, so vastly higher than in other parts of the country, even parts of the world. I think FHA can be a great option. I've also heard, especially mainly in the Bay Area market, where you're looking at condos or homes that are like above a certain threshold. So typically above like 750,000 or a million dollars. At that point, FHA may or may not be available to you just because mm-hmm. when you think about the amount that you're being, you know, that you're borrowing from your lender, there's a certain threshold in which that loan becomes a jumbo loan. And jumbo loans, especially at those those prices, are going to definitely kind of, unfortunately, eat into your eligibility for FHA. Same thing if you happen to have, you know, maybe co-signed or or been a signatory on a parent's uh, home purchase, et cetera. But I'll leave you all. I feel like we've really planted the seed here well. And I feel like, Liam, what you just described in terms of actionable takeaways, identify your market, maybe identify a property that's interesting to you. And then from there, start to think through that process. For me, I think I'm going to add in here that you can be very, very strategic, legally strategic with FHA. So for example, if you're thinking about buying multiple properties and maybe planning that with a significant other, it's a great idea if you can afford it to try to put one property in one person's name, the other property in the other person's name. And then there are some ways you can continue to leverage that low down payment to be able to really build your portfolio. The same thing comes when we think about refinancing. So we talked about kind of that private mortgage insurance, which is a huge, huge bummer. Maybe in the first couple of years, or maybe for us, at least the first five years or so, we'll kind of stick with that just based on the convenience of being able to have that lower down payment. But that doesn't mean that we can't refinance out of an FHA loan. Basically, you sell the loan that you you borrowed and get another one. It's a very interesting like financial uh, you know navigation here. But refinancing is actually one of the really really helpful ways to take advantage of low rates, specifically low interest rates, 
and also be able to make sure that you can put little down. And then when you're in a position of financial strength, actually convert that into a conventional loan through refinancing. So tons, tons, tons that we covered here. And although I'm sad to wrap up this, this topic for now, Liam, um, I also have some super bittersweet news for our Seeds listeners. And that is that we are coming towards the end of season two what a wild, wild ride uh, here at Seeds. And the end of season two this year is actually a little bit different than the end of season one last year where we came back in the fall and started off with a brand new slew of guests. We are actually going to be on an indefinite hiatus after the next episode of Seeds. So you'll definitely want to tune in for that episode because we are gonna be dropping some serious gems about what we've learned, what we'll be doing in this hiatus, and in general, just so much gratitude for all of you in our community. Yes, and our community is still collectively pursuing happiness. So thanks for being with us on this journey. We're really excited about your future money wins. Yes, and lastly, huge shout out to my co-founder of the Seeds podcast, Liam. This is so much fun. I, I really, really am getting sentimental thinking about the end of season two and our brief pause here, but it's always a joy hanging out. And I know we have many wine nights, uh, many long finance talks in our future. <laughs> you nailed it, Wesley. <laughs> Pleasure is all mine. This has been great. Awesome. We're signing off, guys. And again, tune in next week for the last episode of Seeds.